Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we will be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, and other role players. Tune in every week for our latest episode. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to About the Winelands. Today I'm speaking to Gerrit van der Watt. Gerrit is the CEO of Perdeberg Winery. Uh, welcome to About the Winelands, Gerrit. Thank you, Will. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you this morning. No, it's our pleasure to have you um, and uh, thank you for taking the time. I know you guys are busy. Yeah, of course, the world is upside down uh, and we have to deal with what uh, we've been given. So we are making all sorts of plans to see this through and make sure that we're continuing in business, uh, but, it, but it certainly is a busy time. So Gerard, um, what would be interesting is if you could tell our listeners how you um, got involved in, um, you know, a bit about yourself and um, how you became involved in the wine industry. Sure. Um, so it started many, many years ago. Uh, so after I completed my articles, uh, I left, decided to leave auditing. And I started as a financial accountant in the old Stellenbosch Farmers Winery. Um, that was 1989. So I guess you can call me a veteran of 31 years in the wine business. Um, and yeah, through starting at SFW, I've worked in different departments, uh, finance, and then later on into corporate strategy. Uh, eventually, it took me to the US, where I uh, launched Savannah Cider in the US um, for, for SFW. But at the same time, uh, that's when SFW and Distillers Corporation formed uh, Distel. So uh, I really went over under the Distel banner. Uh, and then shortly after that, they asked me to run the European operations for Distel, um, the sales marketing operation uh, from London. Uh, and that's where I spent a number of years before I returned back to uh, Cape Town, back into a strategy role. Uh, at the head office of Distel in Stellenbosch. Um, yeah, so I left Distel, I think it was um, just uh, two or three years after returning back from overseas. And for the last uh, 10 years, um, I've been at Paderbach, uh, where I'm the CEO and, and looking after the business development for, for the company. So yeah, that's from a, from a, from a, a business point of view. Um, but uh, just from a personal point of view, I can tell you that I've got five kids, all from the same wife, and the youngest <laughs> is 12. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I need to work for at least 10 more years, um, but I really don't mind because I think the wine industry is great fun, and I love going to work every day. Where in the U.S. did you actually were you stationed? Uh, I lived in Boston, um, and yeah, so we took the, the family over to Boston. Uh, we were there... Uh, for quite a short period of time because the, the merger of SFW and distillers um, dictated the, the process and um, you know, I had to very, after about eight months, I think nine months, I had to move to London. So it was a short stay in the US, but utterly uh, enjoyable. Okay, interesting. So Paradeberg Wines, um, can you share a bit of the history of, um, you know, the cellar and the winery? Sure. Um, well, 
we started in 1941, so uh, next year Fatima will be what you can call an octogenarian in years, but um, we are going to be as fit and as nimble and with it as a 21-year-old <laughs> because we are, we are still very innovative and progressive uh, in, our, in our thinking and our, the way that we drive the business. Uh, but it started in 1941 with a, a, a person by the name of Jan Rousseau, uh, who got together with a couple of uh, farmers in the area near the Père de Berg or Père de Berg. Um, and he decided to form a cooperative um, and appoint their own winemaker uh, yeah, to basically achieve better pricing for, for themselves uh, on a collective basis. Um, so we adopted the name Père de Berg. Um, as uh, we are at the foothills of the of the Paderberg mountain. Uh, there's a bit of an anomaly. If you just look at our logo, we have a zebra. Uh, so just to, to clear that up, you know, the Dutch, when they looked at these uh, quakas walking on the Paderberg mountain, they, they said, uh, that's one in Wilde Park, one wild oh. horse. Yeah, so we decided to, to keep the zebra. Um, and yeah, so that's really something that distinguishes us. Uh, make us very recognizable. You'll see that through all of our products um, and, and everywhere in our, in our media. Um, so since 1941, Fatima has been quite innovative. Uh, we, uh, I think, was one of the first people to, to really um, appoint a viticulturist uh, in those days. Um, but our, I think we, we really were put on the map by somebody uh, by the name of Joseph Huskinson who was a winemaker at Padua for 38 years. Uh, and he was trained under Gunther Brösel at uh, Niederberg. Uh, so he brought a whole lot of uh, knowledge to Padua and really you know, put us on the map in terms of winemaking. Um, and then from there on, yeah, it just progressed. Uh, nowadays, we, we are a, what we call a group of companies uh, where we have two uh, facilities that uh, process grapes, um, one uh, at Perberg uh, in the Pol area and then the other one at Botteray uh, in Stellenbosch. Uh, we're also renting another facility from Wurland in, in Pol. Uh, so we have got quite a, quite a, quite a diverse and big business. Um, we have 32 shelters, uh, so all producers uh, from the area and they, uh, they supply us uh, with grapes on a contractual basis. But um, Paramac is, is very brand focused. So what we've done is we've invested a tremendous amount uh, in, in barrel space um, and small batch processing. So a lot of our brands are uh, managed like an estate, if I can call it that way, from the vineyard, very intense vineyard management, right through to the cellar. So we have brands, we have, we sell also wines to other brand owners. Um, and then we've got some uh, distribution company in South Africa. So it's quite a diverse, diverse uh, organization at, at this point in time. It sounds fascinating. Have you guys followed the trend in the 90s by changing from a members cooperative to a private company then as well? Yeah, I think we were probably a bit later than the rest. Um, it was 2012 when we made the conversion. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, but that was just really a statutory conversion, I think, in, in essence, or uh, yeah, we were already operating um, as a market-driven organization before that. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, I think yeah, that was the, the, the actual date that we made the conversion. So would you accept um, grapes also that are not from the shelters or buy-in um, or does everything come from your, you know, your, your historically your, the, the farms that, that started Perlebach? Yeah, I think we, we've outgrown our, our you know, mm. normal supply base. So we do contract grapes in as well. Um, but uh, when it comes to our brands uh, in particular, we, we're obviously very fussy and we really just make sure that those are from, from the area. Uh, because, and we'll talk maybe hopefully a little bit later about our winemaking philosophy and how we approach things. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think um, most of it uh, is from the area. So um, talking about that, I mean, you guys have expanded into more than just a, uh, you know, a winery. People can actually come there and experience things when they come to Paderberg. So if a guest come to you, um, what can they expect? Or, um, you know, when you are fully open for guests, what? What experiences do you provide? Yeah. Well, uh, when we are fully open, uh, which is hopefully not too long from now, um, uh, with the lockdown uh, hopefully uh, coming to an end soon, uh, you can come to do some wine tasting. We've got a fantastic modern facility um, that we uh, revamped, I think, about three, four years ago. Um, where you can do wine pairings. Uh, we've got some interesting stuff there. Uh, we've done some chocolate wine pairings. We've done some um, uh, different Shen, uh, expressions, a whole variety of kind of uh, trying to be unique to our environment and what we produce uh, kind of tastings. Um, we have a restaurant. It's called Eat at Paderbach. Uh, it's run by Rob Hahn. Uh, Rob is actually uh, well-known uh, guy uh, in the area but uh, some interesting information about Rob is that he was actually one of the the chefs that were uh, selected at President Mandela's uh, inauguration ceremony uh, at the union buildings and wow. uh, a few of them were handpicked and they did a private function for him yeah so so Rob's got some history there um, so yeah if you want to meet the guy who cooked for Mr Mandela then uh, you're welcome to come and come meet him at Padabach uh, there's a photo of him as well, uh, you know, of the event. And, um, yeah, so we've got a restaurant. Uh, it's really a family-orientated uh, restaurant, so very uh, easy kind of environment. Um, lots of open space outside where the children can run, uh, run around a little bit and the parents can relax. Uh, we've got a jungle gym, and sometimes we also put up a jun jumping castle for the kids. Uh, so, yeah, with, you know, it's quite safe. Uh, kid friendly um, and parents can relax um, so yeah good food great wine um, and then yeah there's also some some venues as well um, where we can do functions um, and I can maybe elaborate a little bit on that if you want yeah I'd love to hear but I, I see you do weddings and um, other events so I'd love to hear what you um, um, actually offer you know it's always nice for people when they're looking for um, you know event venues to know yeah. what is in the area we've got a function hall uh, which can um, so it's got a beautiful chandelier uh, a roof chandeliers all over the uh, capacity is uh, 150 uh, for a wedding so yeah it's got some some character as well uh, beautiful wooden doors that was part of the cellar from the word go so some old Old wood there, and it's got a lovely view. So balcony as well, where you can look out over the over the vineyards. Um, 
that's weddings and then of course seminars so for seminars we can probably put in a few more people uh, in terms of the seating um, and it's it's quite affordable uh, as well so um, you know if you if people are interested they're more than welcome to to contact us and and explore uh, the packages that we've got for them um, we have a an area called uh, the quacha the quacha uh, is a is a horseshoe shaped uh, tasting room where we can do uh, bespoke tastings with a winemaker you just book beforehand uh, and we can do a, a very specific uh, tasting for you and a far more in-depth for those for the connoisseur who wants to maybe uh, just delve in a little bit deeper into the wines and the, and the way that we make them uh, and then we do also do uh, little workshops uh, or provide workshop uh, venues uh, for companies that want to maybe do team building and just break away um, with a small group uh, to strategize or whatever the reason they want to uh, just uh, hire an outside venue. And we can couple with that, of course, some fun activities. So if you want to do the team build and a wine pairing, we will do that. And we'll do that in our dry land room, uh, which is a modern uh, boardroom facility. Um, yeah, and then of course, what we what we're trying to do from time to time is uh, also have some fun events. So, about about I think it was nineteen. Sure, I better think now. Um, uh, it was about ten years ago. Yeah, 11, nine years ago that we started with what we call the family festival. Uh, we actually called it the October festival because it was held in October, but there was no beer. Um, but yeah, so the family festival is where we where we draw in a lot of people um, and we basically just have music and eats and, and just a fun family day uh, where people can, can relax and, and become very popular. Uh, so we've continued with that every year and the family festival, um, hopefully we can hold one again this year. I'm just a bit concerned about when we will unlock uh, for, for that kind of thing. But yeah, certainly. So we have that. We, we've expanded that. We, we've done the Pinotage and Biltong festivals at Paragach. Uh, we started last year with the Chenin Blanc festival. And maybe just wow. on that point, uh, you know, Paragach is very well known for Chenin Blanc. Uh, it's just such a beautiful grape that is suited to our area. Um, and that's why you know, we call the, the, the function hall even the Chenin Blanc Hall. Um, and we also have this Chenin Blanc festival that we now plan to run annually. Are these festivals um, uh, organized by yourselves as principal? In other words, these are festivals that you actually um, originate and, and, and um, organize yourselves? Yeah, um, the family festival is a self-organized festival. Uh, the Pinotage in Bolton was a festival um, run by uh, an outside party, um, but the Chenin Blanc one, um, uh, we, we started with uh, using a third party just to facilitate, but we do plan to continue with that uh, ourselves going forward. And just to make it a bit more, um, how can I put it, uh, accessible for, for, for the wider wine public, we've decided to draw in other wine farms as well. So for the Chenin Blanc mm -hmm. Festival, we will we'll certainly invite uh, other Chenin producers uh, to come and spend a day with us and also have their table where they will show their vision and you know for us it's important to show the the capability and diversity of shannon um, that our, our country can offer um, you know, we we've registered um, 
the trademark uh, home of Chenin Blanc. So we, we do see ourselves as the home. Very clear. <laughs> we don't mind sharing our home <laughs> with other Chenin producers uh, because we, we think that, you know, if everybody uh, starts talking about Chenin Blanc, uh, it's got lots of potential to become one of South Africa's signature wine varieties, um, next to Pinotai, of course. Yeah, so, so we do events and uh, then we've got plenty of plans uh, just to extend the, the experience for visitors to our facility. It's very safe. Uh, it's completely um, fenced off the whole property, uh, good access control. Uh, and of course, nowadays, very safe. Uh, also with regards to virus, um, if you're worried about viruses, you know, we follow all the right protocols and make sure that people are as safe as possible. Yeah, which is obviously important in today's environment. You mentioned the Chenin Blanc, which brings us to the wines. And, uh, you know, this is obviously the most important thing. So tell us a bit about the wines that you are producing and also um, your winemaking philosophy. Sure. Um, so I think maybe the one thing that uh, we need to understand about our area and our wines uh, that you will find in our, in our brands, um, is that it is pretty much influenced by uh, dry land vineyards, so unirrigated vineyards, um, which we have a lot of. About 60% of our vineyards are, are not irrigated. And what we've done is we've um, really owned that platform as well. Um, so if you look at our ranges, I can quickly speak to that. Uh, you know, we have what we call the classic range. Um, and then we have above that, the vineyard collection uh, range, and then above that, the dry land collection. Each one of those ranges uh, will have a component of dry land vineyard wine in it. And uh, we strongly believe that, that these unirrigated vineyards uh, really produce the best fruit. Um, now I, I remember one day also watching uh, a, a TV program on the BBC where Dan Jago was the buyer for one of the big supermarkets remarked, uh, we all know that the best wines are made from dry land vineyards. And, and I certainly concur with that um, because it's small berries and the fruit is concentrated. Uh, so you have, a, you have a deep color, you've got uh, lovely fruit flavors um, because yeah, this, the flesh to skin ratio, I think is, is what makes the difference there. Um, maybe unlike highly irrigated vineyards, uh, where, where you might find that the wines are not um, as deep in color and, and maybe a little bit less thinner on the, on the palate. Um, so dryland is important for us. Um, and you know, we, we really uh, believe that is what distinguishes our, our, our wines. Uh, we have a viticulturist that of course uh, manages the vineyards. We classify all these vineyards into, into their quality, um, their ability based on terroir history. As you know, we've got long history, so we keep good records. Um, and therefore uh, over time, we've worked out exactly which wines, uh, which vineyards, uh, which slopes are producing the best wines. Uh, and we've you know, obviously matched those and, and mapped it to our brands uh, across the quality spectrum. Um, lots of hard work in the vineyards. We do very sustainable kind of farming. Uh, you know, it's dry land vineyards, a lot of it, and we do cover crops to protect the soils. Um, we also use um, uh, what can you, uh, the ladybirds um, and, and, and some other, um, uh, what do you call it, <laughs> uh, that actually eat the, 
the the vitreous, uh, uh, what do you call it, lice. I'm sorry, I'm struggling with English here. But yeah, so we try and do things right in the vineyards. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it shows in your wines. Um, and then from a from a wine team point of view, I mean, we've got a whole group of winemakers uh, headed up by Albertus Lowe. He's also been in the industry for many, many years. Uh, he's got red winemaker, white winemaker, and a, and a small cellar winemaker. Um, and, and they all work together. You know, I think one can safely say a lot of the wine's quality is made in the vineyards. Um, and then uh, in the cellar, of course, you have an opportunity to enhance it or destroy it. Uh, and I have to say that our team has done extremely well over years. So if you, if you go look at our website uh, and the accolades that we've received for our wines, uh, it really is a long, long list. Um, I mean, I remember just shortly after we launched the, the dry land collection completely uh, made from uh, unirrigated vineyards. Uh, it won the best, we won the best producer of the year at the Michelangelo. Um, and it was mostly those wines um, wow. that really came through. And it was just, I think, 2013 or 2014, somewhere there. Um, yeah, so I really, if you want to ask me, you know, what, what really distinguishes us is uh, the fact that we have got um, uh, dry land components to our wines. Uh, and also maybe another interesting thing is that we, you know, we do dive, um, try and bring in very unique varietals um, and to try and be a little bit different. Uh, so we had a straight Cinso. Uh, we believe it's the one of the only uh, dryland bushvine Cinsos. Uh, we have a Cinso Rosé. We've got a, a Malbec uh, in our range. Uh, we've got uh, Grenache Blanc. Um, these are all wines that we that we put in our in our let's call it the innovative space uh, and the vineyard collection is the is the range that houses these wines, um, but then of course we have got uh, also interesting stuff in our in our dryland and classic ranges. Um, we do uh, MCC sparkling, uh, Shannon based sparkling, uh, and also Pinot Noir Chardonnay based uh, sparkling. Um, yeah, so innovation is very important. Uh, we recently also launched uh, wine in a can uh, at the very basic level. So we've got a, a, a range called the soft smooth red range. Um, yeah, so maybe that's let me let me stop there for a minute. <laughs> well, I'd like to ask you about the can wine because that seems to be um, something that's going to become a trend. Uh, do you think it'll become a trend? Will it just be a fad? I see um, the Michelangelo. Um, awards are going to now actually reward um, uh, or they're going to have this, the same thing for canned wines now that they have for normal wines in terms of their um, ratings and stuff. Yeah. Look, I mean, if I have to say personally, I mean, you know, I, I really do like to drink wine out of a glass. <laughs> But I, I do think we need to we need to recognize that uh, there's a young new generation coming up um, that um, you know they they have different conventions and different ways of thinking about things, um, and yeah. So we've really launched our wine in a can uh, on for that reason. So so we are targeting young people um, across the uh, the spectrum, and we really want to, particularly in South Africa, draw also from. Uh, 
the, the underdeveloped wine market. So, you know, we, we really need uh, more people to adopt wine and bring them into the wine category. So, you know, we, it's early days for us, but if I, if I just look at the reports around the world, and, and South Africa does seem to follow trends uh, often, um, the US, for instance, has just run out of cans. Um, and they said it's not because, you know, there was a problem with can production. Uh, the problem was that they didn't anticipate the demand. Uh, so the consumer demand was of such a nature that they, that they couldn't supply because of a can shortage. And we find everywhere uh, around the world, it's about sustainability as well. You know, people uh, want to move to, to um, carbon-friendly packaging. Mm. Um, convenience is a big factor. You know, weight, if you're traveling on an, on an airline. And I think there's just so many applications for, for wine in a can. Um, but the important thing, I think, to remember about wine in a can is, you know, you mustn't see it as, as a cheap wine alternative. Uh, we really need to put the very best wines we can also in the can. Um, because, yeah, it's recruiting, it's recruiting new consumers uh, into the category. Uh, and, and you can't do that with wines that don't stand up to, to the challenge. Well, it's very interesting. Um, and you're talking about the younger market. Um, and um, I think the wine drinkers, is, um, the young market for wine drinkers are now the millennial, the millennials, really. And, um, you know, they're also interested in things like you said, sustainability, but also things about additives in the wines, like, you know, vegan, the, the whole idea of vegan wines and stuff like that. Is this something that you guys are addressing? How, how, how do you find, you know, that issue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for, for us to go completely vegan uh, friendly uh, does mean that we have to make some adjustments in the cellar. But what we can uh, at this point already uh, tell you is that all our red wines are vegan friendly. Um, and we've actually um, advertised that uh, on, on some of our products. Uh, so that the, the classic range, um, we've incorporated the vegan sticker um, on the back of the label. We have done uh, some trials on the on the white wines to try and move that over to vegan friendly. Uh, we, in all probability, will do so from 2021. Uh, for us, it was very important to keep quality. Um, so changing your process to stay completely vegan friendly mustn't mean that you compromise on quality. And that's why we haven't moved already this year, but next year the white wines should, um, particularly for, for those branded ranges, uh, be vegan friendly as well. Um, it is quite big. If you look at the, the overseas market, uh, again, the trends there, the Scandinavian markets are very, very focused on vegan friendly, organic, and that kind of um, thing. So yeah, we, we are very much uh, trying to also um, speak to the vegan um, and sustainability uh, audience. Well, that's awesome. So talking, we're talking about this kind of markets and stuff like that. Um, so um, where are your wines sold? Um, and what is your, I mean, are you primarily exported? You sell in the local market? How does that mix work? Um, yeah, so we are very much uh, an export-led organization. Uh, so most of our wines, our turnover is derived from the overseas market, um, which of course at the moment uh, is standing us in good stead. The, uh, the RAND that is... Um, quite weak, uh, so export profitability is, is quite good. 
um, and the fact that we can continue to do um, business in the international market right now, uh, although we can't do it in the South African market. But we, we already bought, uh, I think I mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, that we are a market-driven organization. So we started exploring international markets, sure, uh, a long time ago already, uh, 2009, or even before that, we were, we were in the international market. But we really stepped it up. Uh, you know, we've invested heavily in, uh, in people. Um, so we, we've beefed up our, our, our human capital infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point in time, we sell all over the world. So from China, uh, Malaysia, Hong Kong, we sold to Russia, in Africa, Kenya, um, you know, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Sweden, Finland, Norway, uh, UK. Um, we do uh, Canada, US. Uh, yeah, you know, all, all different kind of markets. Um, our, we, we've invested a lot of effort uh, in exploring the African market. So there is a lot of time and, and money going into that. And uh, also uh, the Far East, so China, um, and then the US. Uh, Europe, we, we do good business in and we continue to, to support those markets. Uh, but it is a little bit more mature, uh, and we we think that there's a lot of value to be derived from the U.S. Uh, in particular, albeit that it's a tough market. It's really not an easy market. Many people have tried over many years, uh, and it's not it's not uh, <laughs> it's not not a walk in the park. You know, the Americans are complicated. They've got a three-tier st- system, and you've got to get through all that complexity um, and find the right distributor. Interesting. Um, it's also interesting that I've spoken to a few places who've mentioned the African market, and it seems that there's uh, quite a bit of growth and also maybe a premium in price in exporting to Africa at the moment. Yeah, um, I think, you know, at the moment, uh, right now, I think worldwide pricing is a little bit under pressure, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. Uh, we've seen, particularly in, in France uh, and Spain, the guys have actually resorted to... Uh, approaching the government to distill wines um, just to get rid of surplus. Um, but I think, yeah, generally speaking, uh, you know, your, your, your on-trade is, is where you can achieve the better pricing. And in Africa, there's a lot of tourism, a lot of on-trade uh, facilities where you can achieve good pricing. Um, but there's also a good market at the, at the, at the entry level. Um, so uh, at the moment, I think that side of the business, unfortunately, is or fortunately, depending on where you are, um, is growing you know, at the expense of the of the more uh, pricier wines. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's great opportunity in Africa. Uh, if we look at the industry players in South Africa, they've they've really invested in uh, in Africa over a long time as well, uh, recognizing that um, the predictions of of Africa being a potential economic uh, powerhouse. Um, so we do hope that that's true. You know, we, as I said, we, we're putting a lot of time and effort into it and uh, we're already seeing the benefits uh, coming through. Oh, interesting. I see on your website, you also have a wine club. Can you explain a bit more about that? Yes, indeed. Um, the good news is that there are no joining fees. Um, so <laughs> all you have to do uh, to get yourself active as a member is to uh, buy 12 bottles or more of uh, our wines and uh, you can then activate your membership automatically 
uh, and then thereafter we only require you to buy six cases per annum uh, to keep your membership active if you do uh, you can get 10% off your wine purchases um, at, the, at the classic range and for higher up you can get 15% off the vineyard and the dry land uh, and our iconic um, wine ranges um, in addition uh, you can get a free tasting for you and three friends every year receive 10% discount on venue hires for wedding parties um, yeah, and then you get invitations to exclusive wine club events where we will do wine tastings uh, with a winemaker, uh, yeah, educational kind of tastings. And then, of course, uh, free delivery to all the main centers in South Africa if you buy more than a thousand rand uh, worth of wine. That's awesome. So if you're planning a wedding this year, it's, it's a good thing to, before you buy the ring, to actually join the wine club first because you're going to save all over. <laughs> Absolutely. So, are you planning a wedding, uh, Will? You... Uh, I don't think so. Not, not yet. <laughs> not again. <laughs> let, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know if I if I hear off somebody. Um, Harald, the, the the big thing obviously at the moment is the coronavirus, and um, you know it's forced all of us to rethink our business models. So, um, do you have any changes or new ideas in mind? Yeah, look, I think, you know, as we are right now engaged in conversation across the electronic platform, um, you know, that's clearly become a new way of working. Uh, people are, you know, connecting uh, in different ways. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, the whole Corona thing has slowed down uh, the world and people are reflecting um, personally and also from a business point of view. You know, am I busy with the right model? Uh, you know, where do I want to be? What do I want to achieve? And yeah, it's been no different for us. Um, you know, I think the the main um, uh, strategy that we have, I mentioned already, is that we are an export-led organization. Um, and, you know, we've invested in, in that channel um, exponentially. Um, and we believe that this this virus has really proved for us, you know, that that, that is where where we should continue to focus. Um, it is a big world and, and it's a diverse market. So, um, you know, the opportunities are, are endless. Um, and if you just look at profitability, uh, it certainly is by far the best um, profitable channel. Now, it doesn't mean that, you, that you're not gonna participate in South Africa. I mean, just to point out, and I, maybe I didn't emphasize that earlier, we do have, um, a distribution company in South Africa uh, called Mimi Liquor Merchants that does the distribution for our own brands, but also for other brands. So we do distribution for brands like uh, Nietlingshof and Slanuk and others. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, we are we are committed to the local market, but the fact that we are export-led in our in our strategy uh, uh, is a is a positive. And for us, this this time in in history has really proved it. Um, that it's not a, a bad place to be. Um, but then, of course, you know, we, we moved to a virtual world uh, and we, we've realized that there's so much you can do uh, electronically. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we launched this wine in a can that I spoke about earlier during lockdown and we had a virtual launch. You know, so we had uh, a whole audience of media people uh, zooming in uh, with, a, um, with Trevor King, a, a, a bartender, uh, 
was actually bartender of the year in 2019, uh, making wine cocktails for us. Uh, you know, and we did it all online. Uh, and the next day, there was a whole lot of um, media exposure based on this. Uh, so we've, you know, we we participating in international wine shows uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, business to business wine shows, where you will be, um, your, your wines will go over to to the uh, potential buyers, uh, and you know you can do wine tastings and discuss your wines across the the globe, but doing it via Zoom or some other platform. Um, so I think yeah, definitely you know. You, you can really rethink your business uh, in terms of, of your cost structures, uh, travel costs, that kind of thing. Um, and I think the, the other big learning for us was that you know, social platforms are really the, the communication medium uh, going forward. Uh, we all know that. Um, and we've already invested in that for, for quite a number of years and, and we've escalated that investment and it's paying off. So, you know, another learning is uh, e-commerce and e-platforms for marketing mm -hmm. uh, and communicating with your consumers on, on uh, e-platforms. Uh, that's the future. So get smart at that, get, get fit uh, in terms of, your, of your, your electronic communication and engagement with your consumers. Uh, that's the way that they work. Um, I know, you know, we all wish that at some point in time we can just chuck the phone in the, in the bin <laughs> because <laughs> we spend so much time with it. But, uh, you know, it is unfortunately the way that people nowadays are going to communicate. Uh, well, I say unfortunately, but, you know, that's the reality. Um, and, and we better tie into it. I think, I think you're right. I think also there's so much opportunity. You know, people, I think, always think back to the good old days before these things were there. But... Actually, if we had if we had this problem, these problems we have now, we wouldn't be able to do anything. So, I think technology is more of a blessing than a curse than we realize. And it's like been like that for every new generation. There's been technology yeah. that the older generation didn't like, but the new generation found as a blessing. Right? I, I, I honestly would rather prefer to drive around than to 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 hop around on a horse or any you know any any of the older things. But um, what I what I'm wondering is. Um, the whole issue of direct to consumer, right? Understand if we export driven, it's more business to business sale. What about inside South Africa, um, direct to consumer business, and also uh, even internationally? Um, because the one thing about technology and the internet, it actually cuts out the middleman. Yeah. I mean, that's that's been proven by Amazon and those things. How do you see that play out in wine distribution over time? Absolutely. You know, I think uh, consumers want to have. Um, information about their product uh, and they want to to be able to go back to the source immediately um, you know, so so I mean we've for instance we've ex explored also uh, opportunities like the artificial um, uh, what do you call it the, uh, yeah um, oh, I forget the terminology virtual, virtual reality virtual reality thank you very much so you know <laughs> If you just engage those things, I mean, we've got the technology uh, devices that can handle all these things nowadays. So your communication to your consumers is direct, it's quick, it's you know interactive, and it can be um, real time uh, and can update at real time. So I think you're 100% correct. Um, you know, I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm still I'm of the old school, so I can't even think of <laughs> all the potential applications of this, but 
it's uh, you know the one thing that I've realized more and more is that that you need to get uh, smart people engaged in your business uh, that can drive these platforms and and speak directly to consumers. Now, even if it goes through the the, the channel in, in which they buy the wine is not is not direct. Um, when they engage with your product, they want they want direct contact. Um, it's that personal thing um, that makes a difference. Um, so yeah, you know, people also are the, the platforms that that people use um, to communicate are powerful things as well. You know, so when you when you give somebody a great experience, uh, it is known very quickly by many people. If you give them a bad experience, it's the same. You know, uh, so you you really need to you need to be um, engaged. I think is the word um, and real time real time engagement. I think that is the big thing about technology. It's not does not really um, it exposes us for who we really are. If we have a bad product, it will expose us. If we have a good product, it will expose us prop, uh, you know positively. And um, where you're right is that I think the one thing that has changed is that as an exporter, you now need to actually communicate with the consumer, whereas before you could have gotten away by just um, communicating with your distributor and let them actually talk to the consumer. I think that is maybe one of the main changes, uh, what I'm hearing from you. Absolutely right. Hmm. So, Harold, it's very interesting. Um, if you look back over the years, um, I mean, you've got a, you had a very interesting wine journey from, you know, South Africa, then to the States and then to London and then back to South Africa and then, you know, you went to Palibach and, and now you're on this journey. What is the most important thing that you've learned from your wine journey? Sure. Well, I think the, 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 the one thing I've learned is that I shouldn't stop learning. <laughs> um, you know, you know, just when you think that you understand the business, uh, it gets a bit more uh, interesting and a bit more complicated. Um, but if I really have to, you know, say the one thing that, have, that has stood out for me um, and, and that has really made a huge difference in my uh, experience is it's all about relationships. You know, uh, a relationship is something that will carry you through when it really gets tough. Um, and we've seen that now uh, in the past couple of uh, weeks as well. Um, you know, people want to do business with people uh, that they can trust, that they relate to, um, and that engages with them. So, you know, that's the one thing that, that one must never, ever neglect uh, in, in the wine business. Uh, it's a social product. You know, it's a product that, that makes it easy for us to, to engage with one another. Um, but it's, it's really about relationships. Um, and uh, a lot of time and effort needs to go into building those. Uh, and, and it's something that, that you establish over time, but you continue to work, uh, continue to work on that. Um, yeah, maybe if I can add one more thing, uh, you know, at, at, the, at the business end, it's also about distribution. You know, route to market is so important. Um, I've learned that you can have the best product in the world and the best message in the world, but without route to market, uh, <laughs> you're dead. You know, so so you know, build those relationships, those distribution networks, um, those customer base um, relationships, and and that's gonna that's gonna just carry you through. Well, amazing. Yeah, that's true. The platform that you to, to get your product or your message out is extremely important. So yes, you're right. 
So can you sum this all up with your very own um, or your favorite wine quote? Oh. <laughs> okay, well, um, I think I'll make it pretty much about wine. Um, and, and what I will say is, you know, a wine's beauty uh, is in the eye of the beholder. If it works for you, it is a good wine. You know, I think we, we need to embrace the fact that there's, uh, there's a lot of diversity in our wine offering uh, in South Africa. Uh, and uh, we've got different terroirs and different expressions of it. Um, and we all, each one of those brands have got some consumer that is going to love it, you know, and at the end of the day, if, if they like your wine, then it's a good wine. Oh, awesome. Harold, thank you very much for your time. Just as a last thing, if people want to get hold of you guys, or they want to come and visit you, how do they get hold of you? Easy uh, information, of course, uh, is found on our website. So uh, Um We've incidentally just uh, revamped the, the, the platform, so um, it should be quite fresh. A lot of information there, um, and also email contacts, etc. Otherwise, they can they can of course um, phone the seller. Uh, our, our telephone details are on there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we are happy to engage with anybody um, that uh, would make take the time to engage with our products maybe come and visit us um we'd love we'd love that oh that's awesome so we'll put all the links down in the description of you know um where this is distributed so that people can get that so i'm just looking in the description below and Harold, thank you very very much i know you're busy and you took a long time and um, you gave us quite a bit of information which is great and i think our listeners will enjoy it so thanks for spending the time Thank you very much. Uh, well, it's been my pleasure and uh, I do wish you well and, and whoever listens to this, uh, please uh, stay safe, but also stay positive. I think that is a very important thing that you just said there. Stay positive, right? Because um, we need to keep our, our mental and our physical strength. Thank you. Thank you, Gerard. My pleasure. All the best. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description.